All right, so 1 Kings 21 is where we are. We made our way down to verse 16 last week. I'll read it and then pray, and then we'll ease into verse 17, and we'll just kind of see how far we get tonight. We're moving towards killing off Ahab and Jezebel, which is a good thing. Um, sometimes you just got to move on, you know. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just need to move on. And yeah, so let's read 16. Notice it says, so it, it was when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, that Ahab got up and went down to take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. So Father, we do thank you as we turn our hearts to your scripture. I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to it, Lord God. And in the middle of the week, Lord, so much going on in our lives with school and class and the hustle and bustle, Lord God. I pray that you would settle our hearts and minds down, that you would take our attention, Lord God, and grab it, that you would speak to us from your scriptures as, as we know that you have the ability to, and it's powerful. Uh, it's alive. We thank you for it. Um, I pray that nothing would hinder, no cares about work tomorrow, what's going on at home, what's going on in the world, or even distractions in the room, Lord God. And let us just sit and be refreshed through the teaching as well as the fellowship afterwards, Lord. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So you got to catch the scene. Those of you who may be just joining us, um, Ahab went to talk to Naboth about wanting to buy his vineyard because it was near Ahab's um, country home, country palace out in Jezreel. And he said, hey, I'll either trade you for one that's better or give you money or whatever you want. And Naboth was an honorable man. Um, it was a family inheritance, so he refused to get rid of it. He was honoring those who came before him, his father, his grandfather. And so you remember that Naboth, uh, that, uh, Ahab went back to the palace pouting about it, got in the bed and turned his head to the wall like he was a little kid. And Jezebel said, don't worry about it. You're the king. I'll fix this for you. So she stirred up some lies, paid some guys off to lie on him, set him up, and they killed him. In uh, Chronicles, we'll see that she also had his sons killed. She just wiped the whole line out so she could just take it to give the vineyard to her husband. We talked a lot about her, a little bit about her last week, and I got, almost got into a little trouble, but YouTube didn't catch it. Because <laughs> we're always talking about the spirit of Jezebel, and one of, and one of the things is her promoting, yes, that um, just the deception, no, no, no issues with lying and creating false narratives and murdering to get what she wanted. Um, and I don't know why, it just seems like that's the times we live in, especially here in our own country and many countries around the world. But anyway, so, so she does this. She says, hey, look, he's dead. Go take possession of the vineyard. Y'all remember this, right? This is a review. So verse 16 kind of brings us back to this guy is happy about this. And he's now going to get his vineyard like he just got a, a brand new toy or something. You know, this is like he's skipping down the path to check his new vineyard out so he can plant his vegetable garden while this man and his sons are just slaughtered because of falsehoods and lies and deception that was perpetrated against them for no reason at all. And so that's kind of the scene. He's all happy about taking possession of this vineyard. He's focused on that, but the Lord is not going to allow him to enjoy it. So we pick it up in verse 17. It says, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying arise go down to meet Ahab king of Israel who lives in Samaria there he is in the vineyard of Naboth where he has gone down to take possession of it you shall speak to him saying thus says the Lord have you murdered and also taken possession and you shall speak to him saying thus says the Lord in the place where the dogs lip, licked the blood of Naboth, dogs shall lick your blood, even yours. I actually love it. All right. Because it's the word of God. <laughs> um, so first of all, as we begin this section, and I remind you over and over and over and over that the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Um, 
in the midst of all of this chaos, all of this wickedness, all of the deception, all of the lies, the cheating and the murder, God is still speaking to his people, especially those who are attentive to his voice, those who have trained themselves to hear the voice of the Lord because they're walking closely with him. And that's always a blessing to me because in times that that we live in, we've seen even ourselves that no matter what's going on in the world, God is still speaking to his people. He's still speaking to the body of believers that love him, that walk with him, that follow after him. And that's who we are. And the thing is here, it says Elijah the Tishbite. And I don't know if you remember um, when we began to introduce Elijah back in chapter 17, where it says Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead. And we identified the fact that we really don't know his background and lineage so much. Scholars speculate, but we don't know. Many believe that he was of the captives of the area that he grew up. He was kind of maybe even a possible refugee, if you will. And so with this man's background in the midst of a wicked generation, he's come to know Jehovah God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And he's walked with him and he sees the wickedness in his generation. And what makes Elijah so special is that when God speaks to him, he's bold enough to go and deliver the message. No matter what the odds and the consequences might be. And that's what makes him so special. And we want to be people who are like that. You know, Jesus seems to indicate that there's a great apostasy coming when he writes in the Olivet Discourse. Um, Matthew 24, right around verse 10, 11, 12. And then Paul says that in the last days, you know, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. And so I bring that up because we, we don't know as time moves on what the environment that we live in is actually going to turn out to look like. The scripture seems to indicate that it's going to be rough, you know. And one of the things I, 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 always, I always think about is, man, are, are we being prepared to be willing to speak the truth no matter what the environment looks like? I want us to be able to do that. So here's this man. We don't even know his background, but he speaks for God. Um, and that is wonderful. Second Chronicles 16, 9, not on the screen. You can make, make a note if you want to in your notes. It says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of them whose hearts are perfect towards him. That's what he's looking for. Nothing else matters. Lineage doesn't matter. Background doesn't matter. Training doesn't matter. Knowledge doesn't matter. Are you, are you willing to, to have your heart totally dedicated to him, walking with him, hearing his voice, and, and willing to be obedient? And then Peter, quoting the Old Testament, says in 1 Peter 3.12, he says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. Isn't that good news? But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. We got to remember that in the times we live in, y'all. God is looking for people who would just honor him, worship him, and walk with him. And so even in the midst of all of this craziness, this woman Jezebel killing and murdering people over a vineyard, the word of the Lord comes to Elijah the Tishbite saying, now check out what God says to him. He says in verse 18, he says, arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel. Y'all see that? I think it's interesting because remember Ahab is according to the text we've been reading the worst king Israel's had to date okay <laughs> more idolatry than everybody who's come before him and God says go down to meet him king of Israel and of course Israel the name means those who are governed by God is one way that you can interpret it the nation that's supposed to be governed by God which is supposed to be walking with God that's supposed to be very sensitive to the voice of God and yet this king has taken them so far away from God there's idolatry they're worshiping Baal and Ashtoreth they're 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 sacrificing their babies to these gods they are uh, committing all types of sexual immorality in the worship of these gods yet God says go down to meet Ahab king of Israel and then notice it says who lives in Samaria I think the Holy Spirit writes in such a way to provoke our thought everybody understand what i'm saying like this is not a textbook it's alive so that means every jot and tittle means something to the to the lord he wrote it you know, with all scriptures god breathed so israel who's supposed to be governed by god but the king lives in samaria why because the nation is divided it's like the holy spirit is pointing out all the issues a divided nation given over to idolatry 
uh, far away from God. Um, and so all of these things are being hinted towards. And then what God says here in the text, he says, there he is, check this out, in the vineyard of Naboth, where he goes down to take possession. Notice how the Holy Spirit writes. He didn't say there he is in his vineyard. He didn't say that. God still calls it the vineyard of Naboth. Why? Because it was, it was unrightly taken from him. And he was murdered. And I love that. God recognizes it for what it is. God sees the whole thing, y'all. And he calls it like it is. In, in God's eyes, this still is the possession of an innocent man who was murdered to have it taken. Why is that important? Well, there's a lot of reasons why we can say it's important. It's important because a lot of times we look at all the things going on in the world and we forget the fact that God pays attention to every bit of it. And that's what happens to the righteous in every generation. They grieve because of what they see. Um, even the Bible says Lot grieved by the things he saw and heard in, in Sodom and Gomorrah wondering Lord how long before you judge that's what the martyrs in Revelation chapter 6 were saying Lord how long before you avenge our, 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 our lives he says just a little longer those words are sweet to me ain't gonna be long now <laughs> Lord we there yet ain't gonna be long now judgment's coming wrath is about to be poured out but that's, that's kind of the hint here God sees it is the point he sees what all of those who belong to him go through he sees what the innocent child goes through. He sees what the orphan goes through. He sees what the widow goes through. His eyes are upon all the earth and he takes watch over it and nothing will get by him and he will reconcile everything in due time. Everything is seen by God and we love that. So he calls it the, uh, the vineyard of Naboth. So he recognizes the fact that this has been taken and he's gonna deal with it. So verse 19, as we continue, in verse 19, he says, you shall speak to him saying, thus says the Lord, check it out. Have you murdered and taken possession? Again, the Holy Spirit wants us to think. He gave us a brain in our creation. He gave us the ability to reason and, and really meditate upon scripture. And what the Holy Spirit just wrote I think is one of the most important things that we as God's people can recognize as we go through scripture. Look at it again, verse 19. He says, speak to him saying, have you murdered and taken possession? The reality is, technically, the attorneys might say, when you get the bloodsuckers involved, they might say, hey, I ain't murdered nobody. Jezebel did that. Jezebel conspired the whole thing. Jezebel set it up, hired the dudes, wrote the letters, told them what to say, told them how to carry it out and everything. She just planned the whole murder and, and did the whole thing. And when she got word, then she went to Ahab and said, okay, he's dead, go ahead and take possession. But that's not how God views it. God says, Ahab, have you murdered and taken possession? Y'all catch that? Yeah. I don't know how huge, if y'all don't understand how huge that is. Why is God saying that to him? I'll give you a hint. Adam where are you when God came to the garden it was Eve that took the fruit she couldn't get away from the tree she was mesmerized by this tree this tree was amazing to her she's even talking to colorful uh, serpents and stuff like that and just having a boat what was she doing by the tree and then she gives to Adam and, and they eat it together but when God shows up he says Adam where are you and the same thing here, I believe that God is recognizing with Ahab. Ahab was supposed to be both king and husband, which means that he has the authority. He has the responsibility. It didn't matter what Jezebel was doing. He was supposed to take, uh, if you will, uh, responsibility for it. Remember what Jesus says about Jezebel when he's writing to the church of Thyatira. Jesus says, y'all are pretty good. You got some good stuff going on. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You allow and he's writing to the angel of the church of Thyatira. I remember this, right? The messenger, the pastor, the elder, the ruling elder there. You allowed that woman, Jezebel. And that's the issue with Ahab. He allowed her to do these things. And he didn't check. He didn't take control. He didn't order the things according to God. He wasn't involved. He wasn't paying attention. He wasn't making sure that his kingdom and household were worshiping the one true God and walking in holiness and righteousness. And that's where he fell. So God says, Ahab, you murdered. That's big, y'all. There's order within the body of Christ. There's order within the home. And I think we got to remember that. 
uh, as we go through this. And I think, you know, for, for those of us men in the room, I know sometimes I get the, the record, Pastor Kevin, you always beating up on the guys. I, and I don't mean that. Gents, y'all know I love you. I eat bacon with you first Saturday every month. We hang out all over town. I love y'all. It's not that. I'm one of you. I love you. We, we're God's men. But I do believe that when we get it right, then everything else will kind of follow because God will teach us how to do it. I believe that. And that's why we're the mighty men of valor. That's what our men's ministry is called. We ain't wimps or whatever else you want to come up. We are the mighty men of valor. Right, guys? There you go. Get some bass going. Um, <laughs> so that's the, that's the issue here, though, with, uh, with Ahab. So he's responsible. So in heaven, when it came across God's desk, he said, Ahab allowed what? He knew anyway. And so he's sending Elijah to speak to him. So he says to him in verse 19, thus says the Lord, have you murdered and taken possession? So you murdered, you took this man's vineyard. And you shall speak to him saying, thus says the Lord, in the place where the dogs lick the blood of Naboth, the dogs shall lick your blood, even yours. Now, the issue is that where they took Naboth out, you can go back and, and read it in your own time. In fact, if you go back up to verse 14, it indicates a little bit. It's, uh, verse 14 says, then they sent to Jezebel saying, Naboth has been stoned and is dead. So evidently where they stone him, uh, the dogs licked up the blood after they took his body and buried it. And God even took note of that, y'all. Isn't that something? God even took note of that. God is paying attention to everything. And so God is now pronouncing judgment on Ahab that in that same place, they're gonna, they're gonna, the dogs are going to lick your blood. Um, so in verse 20, so Ahab said to Elijah, have you found me, O my enemy? I think this is this is interesting. Have you found me, oh my enemy? So it's kind of parenthetical. We we hear God giving the instructions to Elijah of what to say, but now it's playing out that Elijah has gone out to meet him and he says, Have you found me, oh my enemy? And he answered, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. So have you found me, oh my enemy? One of the things that I'm seeing constantly as we go through this is that the prophet the prophets of God, um, they, they have a word from the Lord um, for national leadership. We see that in Israel because they keep going to the kings. Um, but when they receive that word from the Lord to deliver to the kings, they're not like, you know, as we would. They're not going out doing a, a social media or a YouTube. Um, they're actually taking it to the king. Elijah walked up in the king's meetings and said, it ain't going to rain. You know, even though he could have been killed. Um, and the thing is, the, the thing that kind of stuck out to me, even last week when we saw the one prophet that went to speak to him and he, he had the guy strike him. Y'all remember that? A funny scene. And he had to go out where he and meet him as he was coming there and tell this story to get the king's attention so he could deliver the message. How many of you remember that story? And one of the things I notice here is that God, because these, look, these are, these are prophets. They don't necessarily always have access to the king. But it seems to me that God causes the encounter that they need to happen or he tells them where to go to meet the king. Y'all catch that? Last week we saw it. We even see it now. And I think that's a blessing. God has given them the message. God is causing them to have an encounter with the king when the message needs to be delivered. It's amazing. You know, uh, Meyer, one of the commentators says, though the king knew it not, Elijah was his best friend. And Jezebel was his dearest foe. Isn't that something? She was his wife. Elijah was his best friend. Why? Because he brought the word of God. And we're going to see how that plays out in a minute. And Jezebel was doing him in. But, but God and causes these prophets to have these encounters that they need to have when it's time for them to deliver a message to someone. Um, and it's good to see these prophets in the Old Testament, how diligent they are um, to do this. And so he says, have you found me? Oh, my enemy and he answered and says I have found you and he says I found you because I think Elijah understands that God told him exactly where to go Elijah hadn't talked to him in years at this point did Elijah even know that he had taken possession of Naboth's vineyard probably not the Lord spoke it to him so he told him where to go where to meet him and what message to deliver and he says I have found you look at it because you have sold yourself to do evil 
And, and the reality is, as he says, you have sold yourself. He says, you've given yourself over to do evil. You're, you didn't stumble on it. It's not like you just happened to sin today. You've given yourself to sin. Uh, Ahab is a slave to sin and idolatry at this point. Um, in Romans seven fourteen, it says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal sold under sin of course Adam is the one who sold us into sin if you will and so we have this sin nature in us and the flesh is not redeemed and so that's why the battle is happening in the Holy Spirit uh, we've been redeemed by the blood of Christ the Holy Spirit has filled us and the Holy Spirit is leading us in, in the walk of righteousness but he says you've sold yourself it's similar you have, you have given yourself over. Ahab you are a slave now to the sin that is in your life it's a very sad very sad statement that Elisha says of him. So he says, behold, verse 21, he says, behold, I will bring calamity here in the New King James, it's, it's evil in the King James, on you, Israel, both bond and free. Sometimes, sometimes they kind of get a sense of how God feels about it. You kind of got to look at the King James. And the King James says, those of you who are reading it, I heard a chuckle, so somebody's reading it. It says, behold, I will bring evil upon thee, and take away thy posterity and I will cut off from Ahab him that pisses against the wall I like the King James <laughs> the Lord said because here's what God the, the Holy Spirit doesn't know anything about gender uh, rights and fair and fair gender issues that we're dealing with today um, and all that kind of stuff and people wanting to change genders and not sure what gender they are God says if you can stand up straight and pee a stream against the wall, you are genetically a man. I'm sorry. The point he's making is I'm going to kill every male descendant of Ahab. This is an adult Bible study. Y'all okay? The, kid, the kids are over there. Y'all chill out. It's all right. I made y'all laugh. It's okay to laugh in church. All right. Yeah, so he's going to kill all of the male descendants. And we've seen this before. God is going to wipe out the line is what he's saying. But we're going to see a, something about God's character here in a minute. So every male in Israel, both bond and free. I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Y'all remember Jeroboam was the first king of the northern, northern tribe of Israel, tribes of Israel. Um, and he began immediately to lead them into the worship of Baal because he didn't want them to go down to Jerusalem to worship because he thought he would lose the kingdom. Um, and so God cut him off. And like the house of, of Baasha, the son of Ahijah, remember that same thing, because of the provocation with which you have provoked me to anger and made Israel sin and one of the things we've seen consistently as well is it's not just the fact that Ahab is in sin and idolatry if the issue is like these other men he's led the nation into idolatry okay and so that's really the issue that God is having him and so then he says verse 23 and concerning Jezebel let me deal with her <laughs> God didn't forget he had to deal with the one who was in charge first and that's always the way God does things. God is a God of order. I want to drill that into us. God is a God of order. Every household, God wants to speak to that man. Um, God desires a godly man to be over every household because he's going to cover his household in prayer. He's going to lead his household in the word. And he's going to stand in the, in the gap for them on behalf of the Lord. Um, but now he's dealing with Jezebel. So in verse 23, and now concerning Jezebel, the Lord also spoke saying, the dog shall eat Jezebel by the wall. Of Jezreel, we're going to see that as we go into Second Kings. She's going to be she's going to be thrown down and eaten by the dogs. The dogs shall eat whoever belongs to Ahab, and dies in the city. And the birds shall eat whoever dies in the field. So God's plan is to wipe out the line of Ahab. But there was no one like Ahab who sold himself. There it is again to do wickedness. No one like him. He was completely given over to it. This is why he married this woman to begin with. Completely given over to wickedness and everything that it entailed. Uh, in the sight of the Lord, because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. That's how God ends that. Because Jezebel, his, his wife, stirred him up. He had no backbone. He didn't have strength. 
he didn't worship God he, did, he couldn't stand in a place of godly leadership and she was able to turn him whichever way she wanted um, and she literally ran things through him and behind the scenes and that's what we see about this woman Jezebel um, and it's a sad thing that that was taking place in Israel now as we finish the chapter we're going to see some things that uh, about God's character it says and he behaved very abominably in following idols according to all that the Amorites had done whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel and if you remember the Amorites were very wicked um, you can do studies of that stuff the stuff that was going on the child sacrifice the sexual immorality all of the the filth that went on with the worship of their gods um, so it was in verse 27 when Ahab heard those words notice this that he tore his clothes put sackcloth on his body and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about mourning and the word of the Lord came to Elijah and this is not the first time we've seen this in the scriptures something similar happens with Hezekiah the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying see how Ahab has humbled himself before me because he has humbled himself before me I will not bring the calamity in the days excuse me in his days in the days of his son I will bring the calamity on his house that's a big verse we just finished hearing all the wickedness that this guy did horrible man and yet because of his um, his you almost want to say repentance but it touched God um, he mourned he fasted um, and, and the Lord said he humbled himself because of this God says hey I'm going to spare him it's, I'm, I'm going to carry it out but I'm not going to let him see it and that's the grace of God isn't it it's amazing just to hear God even write that in there but that is the reality of the God that we serve you know a lot of people that you may talk to will like to take um, your God and say that he's an angry God and the God of the, the Old Testament is all about murder and killing people and all of this kind of stuff and the reality is that's not God at all God is the same from the Old Testament through the New Testament we know that amen is the same yesterday today and forever he never changes and that is a God of mercy and a God of grace a guy who desires people to turn to him as opposed to turning away from him to worship him and only him. That's what he's looking for. And so he responded to the humility of Ahab at this point and he spared him from having to see it, um, but it will come upon his line. Um, and one of the reasons why it's going to come upon his line is because God knows what's best for us. That's the thing that we don't understand sometimes. God knows what's best. And, and this, this the people, the nation at this point is sold over to idolatry. And God has to deal with that. He's got to get that out because it's, it's, uh, it's destructive. Um, and that's why God, look, that's why God deals with us the way that he does. Even as we were talking about that in Sunday on, in Proverbs where he manages even um, he, uh, how things come in and out of our life so that those things don't take our heart away from him. Y'all remember us talking about that on um, Sunday morning. God doesn't want you to go into sin because sin is destructive for you. And then sin is destructive for your descendants. And then sin is destructive for the people around you that you influence. So God doesn't want that. He wants to lead us away from it all the time. Okay, we're going to go into chapter 22. We're going to make some, we'll cover some ground. So Micaiah, we're going to look at this guy. So now, verse, 20, verse 1 of chapter 22, now three years pass without war between Syria and Israel. And you remember that God had led Ahab and, uh, and the boys to defeat the Syrians and Ahab brought the king of Syria Ben-Haddon into his chariot. Y'all remember that? Which was a mistake. Um, so that's why there's been some peace. It says, then it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went down to visit the king of Israel. Now, interestingly, the king of Israel, his palace is in Samaria and one in Jezreel okay which is north of Jerusalem y'all got the map in your head but the reality is in scripture whenever you leave Jerusalem you're kind of going down Jerusalem is elevated on a hill and so we see that over and over and over so even though he's traveling north we would say if you were leaving North Carolina to go to New York I would say you're going up because you're going north but you, you leave Jerusalem to go north east south or west you're going down everybody with me 
So he went down, it says, to visit the king of Israel. And the king of Israel said to his servant, Do you know that Ramoth Gilead is ours? But we hesitate to take it out of the hand of the king of Syria. So he said to Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to fight at Ramoth Gilead? And Jehoshaphat, now we'll get into Jehoshaphat. He's the son of Asa. Asa was king uh, over the, the southern, over the Judah. And we'll get into it in a moment. So he says, will you go up with me to fight against Ramoth Gilead? Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are and my people as your people, my horses as your horses. So one of the issues that's going on here is that they defeated Syria Ben Hatton was hiding and his men came and pleaded with Ahab because they heard that the kings of Israel were more peaceful and merciful. Y'all remember this story. So Ahab said, he's alive. He's my brother. Bring him out. Y'all remember that? I mean, brought him up into the chariot and then he, he didn't kill the enemy. He didn't deal with him and he let him go. And, and if you remember that Ben Hatton said to Ahab, he said, look, all the stuff my father took from you, I give back. Y'all remember this? None of it took place. Ahab compromised, spared him, and none of that took place. He didn't give anything back. There was peace, but in that time of peace, evidently Ben Haddon had rekindled his army and become a force again, which is always, listen to it very carefully, which is always what happens when we compromise and don't finish the job. In other words, God points out sin and God... God deals with us about sin but we compromise and we don't get rid of all of the paraphernalia of the sin and we keep we keep a little something that eventually is going to remind us of the sin and lead us back into it now I don't know what that means for you the Holy Spirit is probably making you think about it or putting something in your mind and, and when we compromise and we allow a little bit to remain it'll come back to bite us at some point and that's what we see here man it's is something you know when God look when God gets the person out of your life delete the phone number <laughs> okay it, it spoke to somebody <laughs> yeah God's like don't keep the number you know you know why you got the black book from when you were single we, okay I know I'm old <laughs> Y'all don't even know what black book. You got it? Okay, you understood. Okay. The 18-year-old understood what I meant, so it's good. Why you still got that thing? You know, you should th throw that thing away. You don't need to keep it. You know, don't hang on to stuff. You know, just well, you never know. Um, you make up reasons in your mind to keep stuff you don't need to keep around. No, get rid of it. Ahab should have killed Manhattan, subdued them, took the places back that belonged to Israel, and put it all to rest and move forward. But he didn't. He was a compromiser. And so now the compromise is coming back at him. And so, so now they got to get ready to go to war against Syria again, unnecessarily. Is everybody seeing the picture? Again, unnecessarily. Look, you don't, you don't give up drinking, but that one bottle, that's some really good stuff. And it, and, and it was a gift and it's really good. Well, you know, I, I, if I feel bad to throw that away. I'll keep it. Maybe I'll give it to somebody as a gift. And then you have a hard day and pop it. You know, get rid of it. Pour the whole thing out. Get rid of all of it. Don't keep the stash that you got. Cause you, and, you, and, and you act like the Lord don't know you got it. <laughs> the Lord knows you got a stash of weed in your shed. He knows. Anyway, I'm sorry. I don't even... None of that is in the notes. I didn't plan to talk about it. But that might be prophetic, so for somebody. I guess the word for you is go home, pour out the bottle. No, don't burn the weed. <laughs> I knew somebody was thinking it. Well, I'll burn the weed and sit, sit out by the fire pit. And just, you know, in the smoke. No. Don't burn it. Flush it. <sighs> this is Calvary Chapel. I have to, I have to, I have to say all of that. Okay. 
All right. So he's like, hey, would you go fight with me at Ramoth? Verse 4, verse 5. So Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, please inquire. But, but before we get there, verse 4, Jehoshaphat, who's the king of Judah now, his father was a good king. Judah is still worshiping Jehovah. Okay? But he, here he is. And this is what I, I love about the scriptures. It exposes all the issues. Here's Jehoshaphat up there visiting the king of Israel. There's really no reason for him to visit this king. He's in idolatry. What, what you going to do? So he's up there hanging with him. Then he'll let him talk him into going to war. And he has the nerve to say, I am as you are. My people as your people. My horses as your horses. I don't know about the horses, but the people are not the same. Because Jehoshaphat's people are worshiping Yahweh. The priests are killing the, the bulls and doing burnt offerings in the evening, worshiping God. Whereas up in the north, Ahab and them are still worshiping Baal. So there's a compromise here. Joseph has a good king. We can go into Chronicles and look at it, but there's always a little bit of compromise. And that's what the scriptures seem to point out. And that reminds me of God sees my compromises. Even when I'm walking with him, he sees the little areas where I may or you may compromise. Those things are recorded. He sees those things. And so when the Holy Spirit points it out to you, just give it over to him to say, well, Lord, you see this. Help me with this. Take this from me. All right. So verse five, and Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, please inquire for the word of the Lord today. Lord, there is Jehovah, Yahweh, um, the king of, of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay. That's the God that Jehoshaphat and his people serve. So then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men. But these are not prophets of Yahweh. These are prophets of Baal and Asherah. Now remember, Elijah had killed 450 of them. He done, he done recruited some more. He got more on the payroll again. So he brings all these, these false prophets is what it is, about 400 men, and said to them, shall I go against Ramoth Gilead, the, the, the cities of Syria, to fight? Or shall I refrain? So they said, as false prophets always do, go up for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. Because they're on the payroll. What else are they going to say? Yeah, they're on the payroll. False prophets. They're going to tell the king what they know the king wants to hear. And so notice in verse 7. And Jehoshaphat said, is there still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? So what Jehoshaphat is saying, no, no, no. Is there a prophet of, of, of Jehovah, of Yahweh here that we can talk to? Because I, I don't even recognize these guys. These guys seem to be a little off. <laughs> Jehoshaphat should have packed up and left is what he should have done. He hanging out. So is there a prophet of the Lord, basically? Because when you need to inquire, you need to inquire the Lord. I think sometimes, and we see it in the Old Testament, but sometimes we can do the same. Sometimes we want to we want to inquire at we want to inquire at psychology. We want to inquire at um, the legal system. We want to inquire at the scientists. We want to inquire at the medical system. We want to do all this inquiring before we inquire at the Lord. Let me tell you how show you how God sees it over in second uh second chronicles I wasn't going to use this verse tonight but second chronicles 16 really quick we're going to look at uh even Jehoshaphat's father here Asa who was a good king 40 years peace in Judah remember I keep telling y'all Asa's a good king right but all of us got a few things that we compromise on and the Lord takes note um Second Chronicles 16 verse 11 and you can keep your finger there because we'll come back to it in a few minutes um, but it says note that the acts of Asa first and last are indeed written in the books of the kings of Judah and Israel and in the 39th year of his reign Asa became diseased in his feet um, his malady was, was severe yet in his disease notice this he did not seek the Lord but the physicians isn't that an interesting little blurb? And it's not that physicians are wrong. 
Jesus, you know, even Jesus acknowledged that it's, it's the sick that need the physician, not the well. But I think the Lord is like, yeah, but, but what about me? I'm the one that's been leading you. I'm the one that's been providing for you. I'm the one that's been helping you defeat these other nations. And you just ignore me? Man, I, we need to think about this. If you're sick, if you're dealing with something, hey, let me first talk to the Lord about it. With anything in my life, you got a financial problem, let me first talk to the Lord about it. You got a legal problem, let me first talk to the Lord about it. Your kids got issues in the school system, let me first talk to the Lord about it. You don't know what to do, let me first inquire of the Lord about it. Okay? And then I'll use the things that he's put around me as well. I'll do the things that I know that I can do, but let me first talk to him then trust him through the process. I think that's the order of it. So you can keep your finger there. I may come back in a moment. Um, so we continue. So uh, in verse seven, and Joseph has said, is there not a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire? So the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is still one man, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. I like this. He hates the man. Why does he hate him? It tells us because he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. Well, that's because you're worshiping Baal. And, he, and he's the prophet of the true God. So Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say such a thing. In other words, don't, don't speak evil against the prophets of the Lord. Okay. Then the king of Israel called an officer and said, bring Micaiah, the son of Imlah, quickly because he, he got him locked up because he prophesied the truth. Listen to me very carefully. I started with this and I'm going to go back to it. There's a time coming when those who stand for and preach the truth of God will be persecuted in this country. I, know, I, I just sense it through the scripture. I just think that's, that's what's coming before we get out of here. Verse 10. And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, having put on their robes, sat each on his throne at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets prophesied before them, all the false prophets, that is, are prophesying before them. Now Zedekiah, the son of made horns of iron for himself. And he said, thus says the Lord, with these you shall gore the Syrians until they are destroyed. All just telling the king what he wants to hear. Verse 12. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the king's hand. Then the messenger who had gone to call Micaiah. So, so here's what's happening. All the prophets are telling the king what he wants to hear. 450 of them, they're just prophesying. It's almost entertaining. While the messenger is going to get the prophet of God, Yahweh, out of his cell to come and prophesy. So the messenger had gone. He called him and he spoke to him saying, now listen, the words of the prophets with one accord encourage the king. Please let your word be like the word of one of them and speak encouragement. In other words, look, man, this is how it's going down. This is protocol. You, you need to go say some good stuff to the king because all the other prophets have said this. Verse 14, and Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak. Yeah. That's kind of the pattern we've seen with God's men, God's prophets through this whole section, Elijah included. And so then he came to the king. And, and, and remember, Micaiah, he understands the consequences of going against the king. So then he came to the king and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall we refrain? And he answered, stay with me. He answered, says, well, go and prosper for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. So the king said to him, how many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? In other words, evidently the king knew he was just messing with him. He was just giving him something just to, just to, just to mess with him. So um, verse 17, so then he said, I saw, here's his prophecy. I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd.'" 
And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each return to his house in peace. And you can already get a sense of the prophecy. Their leader has been destroyed. They have no leader. That's what, that's what you can see from that. Verse 18. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat. So he looks at his boy on the other throne from Judah. And he says, Did I, did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me but evil? Then Micaiah said, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing by on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? So one spoke in this manner and another spoke in that manner. Check this out. Verse 21. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said to him, in what way? So he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, you shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. I don't know if he caught that. This is a, like a, this is a, a, um, staff meeting in heaven I don't know what else to call it <laughs> and, and God's like look we need to go ahead and deal with Ahab who's going to go down and persuade him to go fight so we can destroy him and be done with it and, and, and the one spirit's plan was I'll, I'll go and I'll speak through all of his prophets that they would persuade him which is the scene that just took place it's amazing and I'll can go on and we'll make some comments as we wrap up we're almost out of time Therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these prophets of yours. And the Lord has declared disaster against you. I hope you all are catching this. Here's this one guy, 400 and something men out there putting on a show, lying to the king. This prophet of God shows him, says, yeah, all of them have a lying spirit. All of them have a lying spirit. God says, if you go fight, you're going to be destroyed. He goes against everybody one man by himself the same way Elisha did I get the sense that there are times when, when maybe one man or maybe one woman or maybe one child even has to just be willing to say you know what this is not right this is what God says and I love it I love it so now Zedekiah the son of that guy again verse 24 is where I'm at went near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said which way did the spirit from the Lord go for me to speak to you? You know, he's, he's, he's mocking him now. And Micaiah said, indeed, you shall see the day when you go into an inner chamber to hide. He says, you can strike me now, but you're going to see the day where you're so frightened that you go hide. And so the king of Israel said, take Micaiah, return him to Ammon, the governor of the city and to Joash the king's son and say thus says the king put this fellow in prison imprison those who, who speak for the Lord basically feed him with the bread of affliction and water of affliction until I come in peace look at the boldness of our prophet here but Micaiah said if you ever return in peace the Lord has not spoken by me and he said take heed all you people he, he kind of looks at everybody now and say take heed of what I just said he said because if you if you return alive in peace then I'm not a prophet that's what he just said I love it bold to speak for the Lord when everybody else says something totally different he's willing to speak for the Lord you know I think we caught a glimpse of men who were called by God who were willing to do that a few years ago um and I think that, that, was, that blessed my heart, actually, because it, it told me that, you know, there is a remnant even within the church that's willing to stand um, in time of difficulty for the Lord. And I think that goes on all around the world in the Christian church. We don't have a good estimation and understanding of what the church looks like because all we see is the social media and the mega church stuff and all the stuff you see on the Internet and all this kind of stuff. But the reality is, is God always has a remnant. And there are some 
there are some people who are just sold out for him in every way throughout the body of Christ around the world. And what we got a glimpse of a few years ago is that when it, when it, when it happens, when times take a turn, when persecution arises, there are going to be people of God all over the world that will stand up for God. We see that. We see that. In, well, we don't see it here in the United States, but the church is seeing it everywhere else in China, in Iraq. We've had men come to our conferences who couldn't um, we couldn't record because of they come from areas where where Islam is prevalent um, and they come and they come to tell the stories of the things that happen um, the underground church that's happening how Muslims are getting saved and coming to the Lord and um, but how they're still killing people when they convert to Christianity and stuff that we just don't see and hear here so it's crazy stuff going all over the world but these are the stories in the scriptures that encourage me um, I like this guy, Micaiah. I mean, he's one of my favorites now. I mean, this, this dude, he just walked in there, faced 400 and something, and said, y'all are lying. And, 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 and you're going to go out and you're going to die, King. I love it. So we'll get to see Ahab die next week. I wanted to kill him tonight. <laughs> but next week he'll die. And then we'll, in the next few weeks, as we continue in the first Kings, we'll get to see Jezebel get dealt with. Yeah. But some points and nuggets in there for us. The Lord is with us. He's watching everything. He loves us. He's gracious and merciful towards us. And we can count on that. And as we prepare to go out, just remember that. So bow your heads. Father, thank you. Thank you that you, you, you're so wonderful, Lord God. I pray that you would minister to our hearts continuously, even in our time of fellowship now, Lord God, that you would move mightily on us. To strengthen us, Lord, that we may represent you in every way and every place that we go. Fill us fresh with your Holy Spirit. Give us wisdom, discernment, the things we need as we navigate. Uh, Lord, let us continuously feast upon your word and grow stronger in spirit because of it. Uh, Lord, I pray you would be with us in homes, cars, classrooms, workplaces of all sorts, Lord God, until we gather together again. In Jesus' name we pray and we thank you. Amen, amen. Let's, let's worship. Mm -hmm.